What's good? What's good? What's good? This your boy Marcus Harvey from Ghost Brothers. What's happening, man? It's your boy Dayla Spratt from Ghost Brothers. And this is Jawan Mass from the Ghost Brothers. We like to give a big shout out to the Hillbilly Horror Stories. Hillbilly Horror Stories, where your stories is from a hillbilly and it's kind of horror-y, because it's Hillbilly Horror Stories. That was terrible, Dalen. Yeah. I, I tried. Tune into the podcast. We up in here. Ghost Brothers. This podcast is part of the Dark Myths Collective. Visit darkmyths.org to discover more shows like this one. The darkness awaits. It's about to be a fun ride. Follow along, watch as we slide. Paranormal just hit the lights. Goosebumps all through the night. Mixing just a little bit of twain. That girl sure can't do a thing. Together, hillbillies go insane. Laugh so hard it'll hurt your brain. Podcast you won't ever change. These two here, they got the recipe. Sat on back and listen in to some of our darkest mysteries, ain't Welcome to Hillbilly Horror Stories. And now here's your host, Jerry and Tracy Pauly, and their dog Ninja. Hey guys, and welcome to episode 117 of Hillbilly Horror Stories. I'm Jerry. I'm Tracy. How you guys doing? Dang it, I can't quit doing that. <laughs> well, apparently anyway. it doesn't matter about the number of people that responded last week. Oh, anyway. I know. That was really nice. Thank you guys. I'm always... Happy to know how you guys are doing. Now, just like last week, we're recording this a little bit early because we have a sold-out event in Cincinnati tomorrow night that we have to be at. Thank you guys in advance for buying all these tickets. I'm fighting a cold, so my voice is crap. So, <laughs> I'm either going to get uh, super sexy on this or uh, super like Peter, Peter Brady. Brady. Yeah, <laughs> one or the other. But... We want to first reach out and say thank you guys for an awesome event in Nashville. Oh, wow. Was that ever fun? Was that ever packed? It was so packed. If you were there, you know. But if you weren't there, there was no room to move. Mm-mm. They yeah. only, they, they, we sold more tickets than we had seats for because we didn't want to turn anybody away. So everybody just kind of, you know, got to know each they, other. They got a to know better. each other very well. <laughs> And, like, even, like, if you look at some of the pictures that we put up on Twitter, like Bree from uh, Macabre Melts, she was sitting right next to me as we're doing the show. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's normally not a seat, but we had to put people <laughs> where we could put people. Yeah, and, and we were glad to have her there. Yeah, it was it was just an awesome event. And it then was. It was an awesome location to do the event mm-hmm. at. Mm-hmm. And I know the, the guys from Graveyard Tales uh, did a great EVP Mediums, was fantastic. And if you missed it, you missed it. Just literally saying that. And uh, we can't wait to maybe come back and do another event there sometime in the future. So. Mm-hmm. It was a lot of fun. We can't thank you guys enough for coming out. And thank you for my gifts, which I t- totally love. And it was just so sweet of you guys to do that. And I appreciate it. Yeah, we definitely got uh, Kimmy from uh, the mm-hmm. Cleveland area. She made a little sun catcher for us. Mm-hmm. A little teddy bear sun catcher that had uh, I guess it hugs to Jerry, Tracy, and Ninja. It was very nice. And of course we had Tanya and Scott. They came out and she, uh, was it, I guess crocheted is to yes. what it is. It wasn't mm-hmm. really knit. It was crocheted. Right. But she crocheted uh, me a hat and Tracy a scarf. And, yes. And then, uh, you know, the the whole thing we do with the phenomenon. Mm-hmm. And do-do-do-do. That's what that was. It was like the two little Muppet mm-hmm. things, and mm-hmm. so she made us little hand puppets. Yeah, it was really cool. So we, yeah, it always amazes us when you guys like bring us gifts. And I know. Stuff, I'm like, oh my gosh, what's happening here? 
<laughs> but we, uh, I especially appreciate it, and I love you guys so much for that. So we want to start off, obviously, by thanking all of our military and civil servants all over the world, no matter which country you represent. Stay safe out there, guys and gals. Yes, God bless each and every one of you guys. And then we want to touch on again uh, the suicide hotline in America, 1-800-273-8255. Pick up the phone. Use that number if you just ever feel like you're down and out and you feel like there aren't any other options. And I promise you, you will find some options on the other than that phone call. You don't have to stick with that phone number, though. You can text if you're more of a texter, 741-741. Pick up the phone and call me and Tracy. Go into our group, Hillbilly Horror Stories group on Facebook. Uh, send us a message on Twitter. Send us a message through email. However it takes for you to get a hold of us, we are willing to talk to you night or day. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, mental health, we get a lot of people that write us thanking us for talking about mental health. And, and you know, we've definitely got some friends and that uh, uh, have had episodes, and we're glad that we can be there for them. Yeah. And I know, mean, we all struggle with it every day. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm not... I mean, I do too. So. And trust me, it's not always easy to approach somebody that you think may have some issues because you might think you're going to offend them. Or, mm-hmm. But if you know in your heart that someone is struggling with that, the best thing you can do is is go to them and approach them and yep. just ask what you can do to help. All and right. sometimes all it is just lending an ear. Yep, absolutely. All right, guys. We'll get to the iTunes and stuff a little bit later in the show. Like I said, we're recording this before we go to Cincinnati, uh, so we prop might miss a few of the iTunes reviews or something if they come in after Friday. Mm-hmm. So if we missed it, we'll catch it up on next week. How about we do three stories tonight? Whoa. And feeling they're all, froggy, are you? I'm feeling froggy. All right. You sound froggy. Not like the, I am. <laughs> and it's not like the Loveland Frogmen, even though we'll talk briefly about them a little bit later. But since we're going to be in Cincinnati, we thought we would do some Ohio stories. Okay. And I found three that were pretty cool, one of which was uh, requested by Jackie Getz probably four or five months ago, mm-hmm. if not longer. And I just kept putting it off because I knew we were going to be doing this show, and I saved yeah. it for I wanted to do a good Ohio story. Okay. So the first story we're going to start with tonight is Mudhouse Mansion. Mudhouse Mansion was located in Lancaster, Ohio. Now, the reason I say was is because the owner, Jeannie Mast, had it demolished on September 21st, 2015. Wow, that was recent. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Turns out the burden of owning, owning a home that's so laden with folklore became just too much for Jeannie. She personally watched for trespassers herself or would even, you know, have guards just to stand outside to keep legend trippers. From mm-hmm. coming into the place. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with the term legend trippers? I, w- I want to say it's fairly recent where uh, it's a term that people use for a lot of teenagers and some adults mm-hmm. that are like, um, hey, this house is fully haunted. I dare you to go spend the night in it. Oh, okay. They call those type of people legend trippers. So they huh. kind of just travel to all these haunted places. And they don't really care if it's private property yeah. or not private property. They're just going to do what it takes to get in there. And that's something that... She was dealing with a lot uh, with this place because it's got a ton of back history and a lot of stories to go with it. So Jeannie Mass had a notorious reputation for calling police on people that were trespassing on her property. And despite the thought of getting prosecuted, 
Mudhouse Mansion was frequently subjected to break-ins and vandalism. Well, yeah. I mean, if somebody got hurt, she's going to, you know, she's going to get sued or something. Right. So by the time it was demolished in 2015, all of the windows had been broken out and the fire had been set on the main floor, causing some serious structural That's damage. That's terrible. Now, yeah, well, it definitely is. But also keep in mind, this house had been vacant for a long time. Mm-hmm. So she wasn't living in it. Nobody was living in it. Yeah. It was basically an abandoned property that she owned. Right. Still no reason to do no, that. No, no, right? not at all. I'm just mm-hmm. saying, yeah. though, but the damage that was being done wasn't affecting people living there because yeah. there was nobody living there. So the Mudhouse Mansion, with its big, large windows and imposing brick facade, was the perfect backdrop for some of these ghastly tales. Now, ultimately, though, the, the Mass family could not, you know, I guess deal with the liability of owning such a hazardous property that was also extremely, you know, alluring to some paranormal enthusiasts. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, they want to be able to still own the property because it's been in their family for, mm-hmm. you know, about a hundred years. But if you got people constantly coming there, no matter what you're trying to do, and it's a hassle at some point in time, you just got to say, it so, is what it is. so like she wouldn't let like paranormal people come in, investigate. No, like, she, she no, didn't want nothing. anybody. She didn't okay. want anybody in there. So you're probably thinking, what the hell happened in this place that would draw so many paranormal enthusiasts to the location? Well, believe it or not, it's three separate stories. Hey, just like we're doing tonight, three separate stories. Oh, wow. Well, let's get to it. So we've all heard the popular urban legend of Bloody Mary, Mm -hmm. right? Yes. Say her name in the mirror three times and she appears. Now, this supposedly is the one-time home of the actual Bloody Mary that the story was written about. Wow, no kidding. Now, Mary's been linked to, like, several different haunted houses all over the country, mm-hmm. but this one might actually have an inkling of truth in it because there's a nearby cemetery called Lucas Cemetery, to be exact, that claims that Mary is buried there. So, for that reason, local children sometimes would refer to the Mudhouse Mansion as Mary's house. Mm-hmm. So, that's one of the smaller stories. Is there proof that she is buried there, or they just say that? Well, I think there's proof. Oh, okay. So, but who knows? Right. You know how it is with folklore and Mm -hmm. urban legends. So almost every detail of this mansion is shrouded in some kind of mystery. This is one of the reasons that it's so attractive to thrill seekers and paranormal investigators. First of all, it was built on a hill sometime in the late 1800s. It was sold to the Hartman family in the 1920s. And the Hartman family still owns the property today, though the name switched to uh, when Lulu Hartman Mast inherited the home. Mm-hmm. So now it's the Mast family, but she was a Hartman. and okay. So that's, that's how Jeannie Mast owns it, but she's still part of that family, I guess, through marriage. Now, sometimes in the ni- sometime in the 1930s, the house became abandoned. And over the next several years, it became the home to basically traveling hippies and the homeless people. So like any home in this kind of disrepair, the Mudhouse Mansion soon was subject to a bunch of creepy tales. So the dark tales fueled public fascination with the old building. The stories ranged from ghostly to ghastly, we'll say. And one of the most popular stories linked to the Mudhouse is about an extremely cruel slave owner who lived in the house right after the Civil War. He apparently treated his slaves like dirt. And his cruelty was considered brutal even in a time to where it was kind of acceptable to treat slaves as less than human. Yeah, I will never understand that. I'll never understand it either. But even in this environment, he was considered cruel. 
So that tells you mm-hmm. all you need to know. So the slaves were locked overnight in the outhouse rather than be allowed to sleep in the main house or like a um, uh, a barn or a slave quarters or something like that. They were locked in the outhouse. Well, what the crap? How big was the outhouse? You know, I was thinking the same thing. I mean, outhouses are typically not big. No, not typically. Aww. But this was a mansion, so maybe it had a... Maybe it was a, a little bigger. So, I'm not sure, but that that's the story. So, one of the slaves got sick and tired of being treated and, you know, like crap and, and mm-hmm. the lack of respect, and he decided he was going to take revenge on the master. Mm-hmm. So, night after night, after being locked in this outhouse, he would go in and he started digging a tunnel from the outhouse to the main house. A little bit each night. This took, obviously, several weeks to get eventually finished, right? Mm-hmm. So one night after the tunnel was finished, he made his way from the outhouse, through the tunnel, and into the house. God, I wonder how long that did take. <laughs> Once he got inside the house, he slaughtered the slave owner and his entire family. Oh, he and killed his whole family? That's what I said. Oh, my God. So legend has it that the family... Haunts the house all the way up, or at least haunted the house all the way up to the demolition. Well, see, I mean, you got to be nice to your people. You can't be acting like that. They might still be alive. Not really, not today, but I'm just saying. Yeah, it would be like, you know, 140. Yeah, but I'm just saying, that's what you get for treating people bad. (laughs) I agree. So, that's what you get for treating people bad. You get your whole family slaughtered. Well, I didn't mean that he shouldn't have slaughtered the whole family, only that booby boob head that was treating him terrible. Now, the other popular stories, we talked about Bloody Mary, and we talked about, I probably should have done a little bit on Bloody Mary, but everybody's heard that story so much. So anyways, mm-hmm. but we had Bloody Mary, we had the slave owner. Then the other popular story about the house has been told by locals for years. So supposedly in the early 1800s, a family bought the house. Mm-hmm. Now, this was after the slave owner and all that stuff. So a family bought the house. The neighbors saw the family unpacking their belongings and stuff. They're moving in. Everything's going good. They saw them carrying all their stuff into the house. Then something strange happened. The family just kind of disappeared. Neighbors never saw them again. So at first, the neighbors just kind of thought, well, maybe the family's just spending a lot of time indoors. Mm-hmm. As time passed and no sign of the family was seen... Rumors started to kind of spread. Now, one neighbor claimed that she saw a woman dressed in all white staring at her from the second-story window. This went on for a few days. Every time she saw the woman, she was exactly the same spot, just kind of staring back at her from the window. So the neighbor decided to alert the police. Maybe something was up. Something just seemed off regardless. So Mm -hmm. let's get somebody else involved. When the police arrived, they made a gruesome discovery. The entire family of five, who recently just moved in the prior week, were in the house all right, but all five were dressed in white and hanging from the <gasps> ceiling. Oh, my gosh. Oh, what? and that woman we was talking about that was just standing in the window, window staring at the neighbors? Yeah. She wasn't really standing She was hanging? At the window. <gasps> oh, she was one of them that were hanging? She was hanging oh. from the ceiling, and that's why she hadn't been moved. Oh, my gosh. Well, wait, what happened to the slave that killed all the family? We're in a whole different story now. Oh, I know, now. but I just thought of that. So, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, guys. I know we're in two different story, but so, I mean, did they get caught? Did they? Well, maybe I don't know about know? that story. That, that's not no. fascinating. 
Well, I'm fascinated. <laughs> All right, go ahead with your. That's terrible. Why did they hang themselves, I wonder? I know. So after this unfortunate incident, the house was abandoned, and nobody ever lived in the Mud House Mansion again after that. This was in the early 1800s, and supposedly and it just got torn down mm. in 2015, and supposedly nobody's lived in it since then. Wow. And for years after that, people reported disembodied voices and strange sounds coming from the house, and those that were brave enough to venture into the house found it completely empty even though there were noises coming from them. I can't imagine why a whole family would do that. It's really know. awful. But that's the legend. No, whether it really happened or not, who knows? You think they just didn't have the rent money? <laughs> 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 just, you know, back in the days, it's just, it just, everything we've gone over, it just sounds like a horribly sad time for everybody. Don't you think? I mean, with all the diseases and everything that happens back in those days, it just sounds awful. Yeah, it was not unusual to lose kids back then. I mean, people lose four or five kids, mm. and it's bad enough now when you think about somebody losing a kid, but could you imagine losing, no. you know, several kids right. at all different times? And Mm-mm. Yeah, I always thought I would like to live back in the days, but not anymore. Not since all this stuff. Maybe... Charles Engel's day. It amazes me when we hear about somebody like like when we did, well, that's not done yet, but on our Halloween story <laughs> that'll be out in a, in a couple of days after this. But we were talking about Giles Corey, and he was, this was back in the 1600s, and he was 80. Mm-hmm. It's like, damn, how did anybody live to be 80 back then? I don't, I mean, really? I yeah. mean, you were lucky. If you were 35 years old, you were, you know, you'd done something yeah. to make it to 35 years old back in the day right. with all the disease. Yeah. And, wow. Heartbreaking. So I guess it's a good time since I brought it up. You'll hear this on Sunday, but we got a surprise for you coming on Halloween. And I'll put it out first thing in the morning so you got all day if you want to listen to it. We have a Halloween special that is loaded with fellow podcasters telling you creepy stories. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to name all of them because it would take too long. This is literally going to be... 12, 13, 14, 15 podcasters. Mm-hmm. But I can tell you some of them that are on there. I know Shane Waters from Out of the uh, Shadows podcast nice. sent us one. Good. We've got Diane from History Goes Bump. Mm-hmm. She sent us one. Dina from Twisted Philly sent one. Tyler from Minds of Madness sent one. I mean, it's just tons of stories. Well, good. I can't wait to hear them. So, they're, and they're all really good. We got... Uh, we got uh, Lainey Hobbs from True Crime Fan Club sent one. But there's there's a ton. Like I said, too many to mention. Uh-huh. But there's a lot of uh, brand new podcasters that we decided that would be fun to get them on here and and give you guys a chance to listen to some of them and their act. But yeah. So is it going to be out tomorrow? Or are you no, saying? it's coming out Wednesday. Oh, Halloween. That's right. I'm putting it out Halloween, Halloween morning. Day. That's right. Okay. So look look in there on this feed. It's not a Patreon episode. This is for everybody. So. It will be out. It's probably going to be about two hours long, and it's all like anywhere from three to five to ten minute stories. Mm-hmm. And It's very exciting. Yeah. Thank you guys for doing that, too. Pretty awesome. So I'm excited about it, too. So let's get into our second story here. Mm-hmm. This is, I think it's kind of a cool story. It's not the greatest story in the world, but where we're doing our show at in the Cincinnati area is actually in a part of Ohio called Blue Ash. Mm-hmm. And I found out through a little birdie. That there is a place right in Blue Ash where we're going to be called Satan's Hollow. Oh. 
Now, according to some uh, a writer by the name of uh, Rick Fenbers from CreepyCincinnati.com, he says that Satan Hollows is one of the best known but least seen urban legends in the area. The story goes that a group of Satanists supposedly used to meet there in some type of an altar room and conduct their rituals. Now, they must have been pretty damn good because supposedly they opened the doorway to hell. Oh, I would think you'd be have to be pretty good to do that. Uh, yeah, major skills. So the doorway is located in the woods behind an apartment complex. It's actually a storm drain and it's on private property. Lieutenant Steve Schuler from the Blue Ash Police Department said it's rough on the homeowners in that area of Satan Hollow. People park in their driveway and they try to get into the drainage system and nobody likes that. The owners had to chase some people off and folklore of Satan Hollow may sound a little far-fetched, but it spread through the region for more than a decade. The spot's even listed in several most haunted lists online. Oh my gosh. I bet uh, apartment people don't tell that story before probably, they ran. Probably not. <laughs> hey, and if you get bored and want to go out back yeah, and, yeah. you know, maybe sacrifice a goat. Mm. So many claim to hear screams coming from inside the tunnel. Others report floating faces and unexplained apparitions. The Blue Ash officials say that these are just rumors and they caused teens and adults to break the law. Sergeant Schuler said officers are called to the property multiple times every year to remove trespassers. These trespassers are mostly teens and it's also a hot spot for paranormal groups though. Filmmaker David Scott also visited the site and he claims the ghosts do lurk here. He says it's one of the scariest places he's ever investigated. So to prove it, he used a spirit box on one of his YouTube videos. Ooh. Sergeant Schuler said that he's seen many videos online about Satan's Hollow. He even spotted some arrows that were drawn inside the tunnel directing trespassers to an area that's in the back. So inside the tunnel, you'll find graffiti-covered walls, painted signs that read things such as, This Way to God's Chamber, Badlands, and 666. Sergeant Schuler said walking through the tunnel can be a very eerie experience. I bet. He said he thinks it's just a pretty extensive system, though. He said there's one area at the very end that's a concrete box where the pipe changes elevation back there. And he said when you're down there, your imagination can play tricks on you. So you can kind of start to hear and see things. Is it lit up, I wonder? I mean, I doubt it. I don't know why it would be. It's well, a drainage system. True. So detailed maps of Satan's Hollow have been posted online along stories of a demon called the Shadow Man that supposedly waits inside. No way, man. <laughs> That's so creepy. He's like some kind of a hall monitor from hell that was left there by Satan to guard the tunnels. Oh my gosh. So the Shadow Man is said to appear in the form of a human only completely blacked out, hence the name. So many websites claim that Satan worshippers have killed animals or people in the portion of the drainage system nicknamed the Altar Room. Sergeant Schuler said that's just a rumor. He said that they have never had any animal killings or human sacrifices in there that he is aware of or that the police department is aware of. That doesn't mean that there isn't some real danger there, though, because when rain comes, it can turn uh, that into a very dangerous area because the storm drains fill up right. when it rains gonna, and yeah, can flood. Like, I mean, don't they think of that, that that's, their whole setup could be washed out? No, well, I don't think that's the, that's the part of the, about the thinking. I think the, if you're in there and the, you have a heavy rain, you could drown right. if you were inside the tunnel system. So that's yeah. more the concern than having your altar kind of floating away. 
threatened. Well, I mean, that's true. <laughs> so true, true story. And there's no way to block it from the trespassers without damaging the property. Mm-hmm. They talked about putting in like some um, bars and stuff up there, but they said then that wouldn't let the water drain efficiently if they had yeah, the bars. Yeah, right. So, that would cause a big mess. So Schuler said that the Blue Ash legend is exactly that. A legend that will keep officers sending unwanted visitors away on a regular basis. Dang, that sucks to have to do that all the time. <laughs> well, that's I, our second story of the night. Uh, yeah, that's a little that's a little wicked. I if I had known or found out about that after I moved into that place, I would definitely be moving out quickly. <laughs> all right, let's take a few seconds and do some iTunes reviews. Okay. So we got GenCom. HD9063, GA Scholar 01. That may or may not be right. I'm not sure. It's either that or Gas Collar. Christian Rosen Krutz and J. Kev. Thank you guys for the reviews this week. Oh, yeah. Thank you. They were amazing. We appreciate you so much. Let's go ahead and jump into Patreon because you guys rock. Mm-hmm. Julie Hayes, Becky Faulkner, Jonathan Foster. Thank you guys for signing up this week. We appreciate it. Yes, we surely do, honey. Thank you so much. All right. Can't really finish up Ohio stories without at least doing some cryptids. Okay. Now, I told you that earlier, like when we did our last Ohio show, if you remember Rob and Nick from Ohio, mm-hmm. they did the Loveland Frogman. Yes. Uh-huh. And it turns out that our son married a young lady whose family lives right there in Loveland, and they yep. had never heard of it. Right. Until they heard it that night at the show, so pretty cool. So Ohio's definitely got their share of cryptids. So the most famous are probably the Loveland Frogman. And Loveland's pretty close to Cincinnati. But about 100 miles away in Mansfield, which is where the Ohio State Reformatory mm-hmm. is, nestled between Columbus and Cleveland is the Charles Mill Lake Reservoir. They have possibly two cryptids there. So it was constructed in 1935 by damming the Black Fork of the Mohican River. And I felt that it was important that you know how it was made. Because, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know, everybody wants to know how the lake is made (laughs) that's true so it's known for having a large volume of catfish Mm -hmm. i don't know why you need to know that either but i felt the need to tell you that oh and they also have a unique amphibious creature what is it probably more important than the catfish so this creature has only been seen once and it's unlike any other cryptid ever reported it's very odd encounter happened back in march 28th of 1959. So let's go back to that night of March 28th, 1959. Doodle, doodle, What is that? Remember like on Wayne's World? Oh. Were... <laughs> I, I'm telling you, I cannot get into Wayne's World. They were annoying as AF. Wayne's World was awesome. No. Then I don't ever want to see your bobbing your head then when well, that's Queen different. comes on. That's different. That's Queen. So you've got these three teenage friends. Denny Patterson, Wayne Armstrong, and Michael Lane. They claim to have basically ran in to one of the strangest cryptids ever seen. They said they were hanging out by Ruggles Road. Now, this is right near the swampy shores of Charles Mill Lake. It was nighttime. It was very dark. They said that's when they saw this thing. Seven foot tall humanoid just rise straight from the black water right in front of them. Whoa, that's cool. The boys were petrified. They watched in horror as this mammoth creature towered above them, they said. They later described it as an armless humanoid with green eyes that glowed in the dark. 
They also said it had large webbed feet. Mm-hmm. So they got the hell out of there, and they quickly reported the incident, as you can imagine. When local authorities made their way back to the reservoir to see what the hubbub was about. That's right, I said hubbub. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, were they in a car, or were they out just, like, walking? I'm walking. Okay. They found a series of tracks that resembled footgear worn by skin divers. Oh. It was all along the shore. But despite the fact that something was obviously along that bank that left those prints, there was never any other reports of an armless beast with glowing eyes at the time. I mean, what can he do? He don't have no arms. Right. He was unarmed to begin with. (laughs) I thought it was Def Leppard's drummer, but then I noticed that it was... (laughs) And I noticed it was before he was born, so that oh, couldn't that's have been true. I mean, why do you get bob and weave? <laughs> that's all I can do. <laughs> now, there was another possible sighting in 1963, and I know you're saying, what the hell? You just said that was the only time I was ever seen. Mm-hmm. You, I'll try to clear up some of this confusion. But with that being said, there's another creature that uses Charles Mill Lake as its stomping grounds. Ironically, this creature is also known for its glowing eyes, only these are orange eyes. That's also the nickname of this creature, Orange Eyes. This creature is more of a Bigfoot-type creature. Now, the story behind Orange Eyes is that he lived in a sewer tunnel near the Cleveland River Cemetery. There was some road construction going on in the late 1940s, and it kind of forced him to move into a wooded area near the lake. Here, at the lake, he starts coming into more contact with humans. And his attitude, which used to be like really docile, when he lived in the tunnel, became much more aggressive, I guess, because he didn't have to deal with people, yeah. dead people, back over to the cemetery. So the first known encounter was in 1963, which is when I said there could have been a possible, another possible encounter. Mm-hmm. Some people say it's this one. So according to eyewitness reports, it appeared before a plethora of people. So plethora is a lot of people. Mm-hmm. They described him as being 11 feet tall. What the world? And about a thousand pounds. Whoa. That could do some damage. The group quickly formed a posse, armed themselves because they wanted to capture or kill this beast, but they couldn't find him. So it didn't happen. How do you not find a 11-foot creature? I don't know. People don't find them all the time. Well, I guess right. <laughs> so the occurrence, even though the appearance is completely different, is sometimes said to be the Charles... Mill Lake Monster, which mm-hmm. was the first one we talked about. Yeah. That's his name. Maybe it's his sister. Well, so this next encounter happened April 22nd of 1968 when a group of children stumbled upon this beast. Oh, my goodness. That would be so scary. And then the final encounter happened in 1991, a lot of time in between these, when a pair of fishermen saw him near Willis Creek. So it goes without saying that the legends of the Charles Millick monster and orange eyes have become intertwined over the years, understandably, considering that they're both huge humanoid beasts with illuminated eyes. And they're in the same area. But some think it's the exact same creature that's just been described differently. But I can't really see this being possible because one's an armless amphibian and the other one basically is hairy and more like a big foot with orange eyes. I mean, it's like, <laughs> there's really nothing about them the same except they're both big. Yeah. Maybe they hi- hibernate like bears do or something. I don't know. The for one, so many years and they come back out. The Charles Millick monster to me sounded like the creature from the Black Lagoon. Oh, I know. Except he had arms and stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
So, I mean, I'm guessing that it's very possible that this was just people diving. And maybe if they were in a skin suit and came out of the water, maybe with the skin suit being black and being dark mm-hmm. outside, that mm-hmm. maybe it looked like it didn't have arms or... Yeah. Something left the tracks, and it sounds more like it might have been a skin diver. Would be me. Right. That sounds creepy. Creepy, creepy. Yeah, I know. So, anyways, that's three stories from Ohio. Ohio. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And since we're um, on this last little bit here, and we were talking about the live shows, mm-hmm. which we'll talk a little bit about the Cincinnati show next week, because by that time we've actually done it and might know what's going on. But it's our last live show of the year. I, yeah, I know. But that's a good thing. Yeah. So we'll, we got all these fun holidays coming, and we're excited about holidays. So we'll start them up again next year. We still got Houston that we're talking about. We're talking about St. Augustine. Mm-hmm. Might be doing something with Tony Bruschi and Jenny from Real Ghost Stories Online. There's talk about possibly trying to set something up at the Crescent Hotel. That would be so awesome. So, that would be amazing. Did you see Tony put some pictures up? No. Oh, my gosh. Dude, where he lives, like, he's got the, like, ceiling floor windows. Mm-hmm. It is gorgeous. They all the trees there are starting. They're turning, and they're all the beautiful fall colors. Oh my gosh! Yeah, he he's is like, so lucky. His place is like, like the where he records and stuff. It looks right out into the woods. It is so beautiful and so peaceful. Uh, he is very lucky. Yeah, but how would you like to be sitting there looking out into the woods at nighttime, and you're sitting there talking to somebody about their ghost or demon story or something? Well, as you're looking out into the woods at nighttime, mm, that would be kind of creepy. Yeah, we couldn't do that at night. We'd have to do it during the day. For sure. But it's really beautiful. But anyway, guys, we appreciate everything you do for us. You make us feel special every single day. You do. And And we just love you so much. And wait for our Halloween special. You're going to love it. Yeah, I think you guys are really going to get a kick out of it. We tried to get some of the best podcasters out there Mm -hmm. to contribute to this. And like Mm -hmm. I said, we named some of them earlier. And there's some, trust me, there's going to be some podcasters on here that you've never heard of that as soon as you hear them, you're going to be like, I'm instantly subscribing to their show. Yeah, yeah. And I would highly suggest you subscribe to all of them because mm-hmm. the the reason that we handpicked every one of these to be on is because we listen to them and we like them. Yeah. And I think it's going to be fun. My butt hurts. Good night. <laughs> hey, Hillbillies. If you guys enjoy what we do here on the show every week and appreciate all the hard work we put into it, consider being one of our Patreon supporters. All you got to do is go to our website, hillbillyhorrorstories.com, click on the tab for donations, and you'll see the Patreon link right there. Click on it, and you can go to our Patreon page. Then you will have a decision to make. You can choose the $1, the $3, the $5, or the $10 donation. Each one gets you different things a month, but regardless, you get some free stuff. Just check out the bonuses under each tier, and you'll see what you get for free for that month, but you'll get something free regardless. Also, if you'd like to buy any Hillbilly Horror Story merch, you're also in the right place on the website, hillbillyhorrorstories.com. Just click on the store page and see whatever it is that you like. Click on a few links, send a little bit of money, and your item will be on its way. Thank you guys so much for all of your support. We love you, we thank you, and we appreciate you.